Hello there, and welcome to episode 51 of Blue Jays World Update. I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and let's get you up to date. So on this week's episode, I got injury updates on a number of players, including Rowdy Telez, Jordan Romano, Thomas Hatch, George Springer, Rafael Dolis, Patrick Murphy, Anthony Castro, Joe Panic, Julian Merriweather, Alejandro Kirk. So we got to break down all that. And then we also got to talk about how Lurdy's Gurriel Jr., who's struggled throughout this season, is actually starting to heat up. He had a pretty good series over the weekend against the Philadelphia Phillies. So we'll dive into that. We also got to talk about Vladdy Guerrero Jr.'s dominance and his continued dominance throughout the first month and a half of the regular season. And then we'll preview the upcoming homestand versus the Red Sox and Tampa Bay Rays. And then to finish things off, we also got some Alec Manoa talk to get into as well. So let's dive in here. All right, so like I said at the top, We had a number of injuries to talk about, and unfortunately, the Blue Jays still can't kick this season-long injury bug that they've been having to deal with essentially ever since spring training began. So let's get with the let's get to the bad news first, and then that involves Rowdy Telez because on Sunday's game. He had to leave the game early due to what the Blue Jays are calling a hamstring strain that he suffered in the eighth inning after slipping on home plate while trying to run to first base, which for Rowdy, after blowing out his knee towards the end of last season in Buffalo when he was fielding a foul ball, foul ball and got tangled up with the bullpens that should not be on the field and that aren't on the field anymore at Salem Field. But again, we got another fluky injury for Rowdy Telez. And unfortunately, it's one that's probably going to land him on the IL, which certainly isn't what any of us want to hear, considering the amount of injuries this team has had to face. Uh, But unfortunately... It seems like he's going to be gone for at least the next 10 days. Um, But with Vladdy Guerrero Jr. serving as the everyday first baseman, it's not exactly going to affect the Blue Jays lineup crazy. Um, I mean, it sucks to lose a left-handed slugger, even though Rowdy was struggling at the plate this season. It still sucks to lose that threat in your lineup. And as well, the Blue Jays lose their backup first baseman. So it seems as though Guerrero is going to play a, or continue to play a ton over at first base. Probably isn't going to get much time off between now and however long it takes for Telez to uh, return from the injured list. But in the meantime, it seems like Cabin Biggio probably will serve as the backup first baseman. He's got the most experience out of all the players that are on the Blue Jays roster right now. I mean, ideally, you'd have somebody like Joe Panic maybe spending a good amount of time at first base because he's got some experience over there as well. But considering Biggio's already spent a couple innings over there on the right side this season, he spent 33 innings 
in 2019 at the major league level at first base and then furthermore he played 50 innings at first base in AAA during that same season so I'd expect Cam Biggio to fill in as the backup first baseman with Telez out whether or not he will actually be decent over there that's a whole nother thing as we've seen so far this season Biggio's defense has been a little shaky uh, it's improved without question over the last couple of weeks actually the Blue Jays left side of the infield defensively has improved dramatically considering where they were in April so that's encouraging to see but again a lot of the playing time is going to continue to go to Vladdy especially the way he's hitting at the plate and I'll get into that a little bit later in the episode but again like I said it sucks that we won't see Rowdy Telez in a Blue Jays uniform for probably the next two weeks, I'd say. Um, but that's the update with him. Now, unfortunately, the Blue Jays had another injury scare in the series finale against the Phillies because closer Jordan Romano came in to record a four-out save in Sunday's game. And he didn't look like himself. The fastball speed was there, the velocity was there, chucking triple digits, actually 101 in that outing, but for his slider, he couldn't really control that pitch. And that's not something we've really seen from Romano. I mean, sure, you can be shaky at times with your command, especially with your breaking ball, especially with his slider, with the amount it moves, but it just looked like he wasn't finishing his pitches, and it kind of seemed like he may have been injured but he finished the game well he tried to finish the game until the Phillies got uh, a couple of hits off him then they had to take him out but according to Danny Jansen who spoke after the game he doesn't think there's any sort of injury involving Jordan Romano uh, which is good which is good but I think from what we know of the Blue Jays now Whenever they give an injury update, even if it's from their players, from someone like Danny Jansen who can see firsthand what Romano's going through, I think we kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. Because until we see Romano back on the mound, which won't happen until Tuesday at the earliest because the Blue Jays are off Monday, we kind of have to cross our fingers here and hope that there isn't anything seriously wrong with Jordan Romano because there certainly could be with the way his slider was looking and the fact that he couldn't even finish the ninth inning either. Now he got hit around a little bit, um, but it's hard to say as to right now what could be going on with Romano, but hopefully it's nothing serious and he doesn't need an IL stint. Um, now moving on to somebody that we haven't really seen since late spring training, and that's Thomas Hatch. And he threw three innings on the mound in a sim game um, prior to this weekend, and it seems like he's nearing a return. Um, the Blue Jays are hoping that he could make maybe another uh, appearance in a sim game, maybe even throw a couple games in Buffalo slash Trenton before returning but given the fact that the Blue Jays are still lacking a fifth starter right now 
because there's not a whole lot of trust in Anthony Kay. I mean, he looked respectable in his last start, but he's no, still not giving the Blue Jays a ton of length, and they certainly can't rely on him at this point. So if Hatch is nearing a return, perhaps maybe he could be activated off the IL in 10 days, two weeks, maybe even sooner. Maybe perhaps we see Hatch immediately go from the 60-day or 60-day IL back to the major leagues and in that fifth spot. But it's hard to say right now because without question, the Blue Jays are going to continue to play it safe with Hatch considering he suffered an elbow injury and you never want to play around with those types of things. So they got to play, continue to play this cautiously. But very, very good news to see him back throwing on the mound and nearing a return. Now as for Rafael Dolis, it really seems like he's going to make his return on Tuesday to open the series against the Red Sox because um, the Blue Jays already made a roster move, clearing a spot on the active roster. Rafael Dolis threw over the weekend as well. It seems like that calf injury could be behind him now. So, you know, considering what we saw with Romano on Sunday, getting Dolis back at the back end of the bullpen is a very, very encouraging development for the Blue Jays. So hopefully that's what transpires. But again, considering the Blue Jays made, already made a roster move, and it seems like they're going to put Rowdy Telez on the IL too. They'll have two open roster spots. I don't know who will fill the second one, but I'm certainly confident that Dolis is going to be back with the Blue Jays Tuesday to start that series against Boston. And as for George Springer, I don't have a timeline, or at least the Blue Jays aren't providing a timeline for when he may return, but... He's continued to take batting practice over the weekend. And he actually is starting to run the bases a little bit as well, which is good because that's one of the big tests for him, along with spending some time in center field. But this is progress. It's going to be a slow burn for George Springer as he makes his return just because they want to nip this quad injury in the butt. They don't want to have it uh, coming back at any point throughout the rest of the season they want to get it dealt with now which is what they probably should have done the first time he was injured but we're here now and there's no point of continuing to bitch and moan about this anymore on how they handled how the Blue Jays and Springer handled this quad injury to begin with but again any progress is 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 good news right especially with the 150 150 million dollar player so we'll see what the next steps are for Springer and how quickly he progresses towards, you know, continuing to increase his workload along the bases and then eventually spending some time in center field as well. And just to wrap things up on Springer too, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in some rehab games as well, considering he's going to be off for so long. The Blue Jays may want to give him, you know, maybe two or three games either at Dunedin or in Buffalo as well, depending on what the timing of when he'd be available to 
go out on that rehab assignment if the Blue Jays haven't traveled north to Buffalo by the time Springer is ready to go play some games maybe they send him over to the Dunning Blue Jays who are currently operating out of Clearwater but if he's in if the team is in Buffalo when Springer's ready maybe they send him over to Trenton and, and playing some rehab games with the Bisons or the Thunder whatever you want to call them um, now we got to move on to another couple of injury updates here. Patrick Murphy, which is a guy we haven't heard of since like early March, through a bullpen session back on Tuesday, and he did. He was scheduled to throw another one later this week, but the Blue Jays didn't give an update as to how that went. Um, but considering. They didn't say uh, he suffered any setback or anything. I'm guessing that was a positive bullpen session for him. Um, probably still weeks and weeks away with him, considering he's been off for so long. And he only threw 18 pitches in that first bullpen session. But, again, any progress is good news. Um, now, Anthony Castro, unfortunately, he's still experiencing some tightness in his forearm. Um, and he was hoping to throw a bullpen this weekend this past weekend that didn't happen so um i'm not really sure how the blue jays want to move forward with this whether or not they want to shut down castro for another week or so and hope that tightness you know takes care of itself but it is a little concerning with him because the blue jays didn't think this was going to take more than the 10 days for him and it obviously has so it'll be interesting to see where they go moving forward with, with him as we head into this week. Um, now Joe Panic has been hitting in the cages, been taking some ground balls in the infield. So it seems like he's making some really good progress. But again, the Blue Jays didn't give any timeline for when he may return to the active roster. Julian Merriweather, who's been out with a, a, a nagging oblique injury, and it's still going to be out for another month or two. But he has been starting to throw. He's only at long toss right now. So he hasn't actually gotten back on the mound just yet. But it's good to see that he's throwing again at least. Even if it's just long, long tossing. So uh, maybe by the end of May we'll see Merriweather back on the mound. Which would be very, very encouraging. But... Because oblique injuries are so uh, sensitive, you have to really make sure that any injury is dealt with with those kinds of things but they, because they can easily, easily um, suffer a setback with those types of injuries. So again, the Blues just got to be cautious with him, but it's good to see that he's thrown again. Now Alejandro Kirk, and we know he's going to be out still for a significant, long, a significant time. But he has beginning, he has begun starting to hit off a tee, and he's throwing a little bit as well. So even though he's not going to be back until late July, early June, I believe, uh, it's good to see that he's resumed baseball activities. Um, but that is that regarding the Blue Jays updates. And there's a lot of them. I just spent 15 minutes going through all the Blue Jays injury updates. That just that shows you how much 
this team has been has dealt with regarding the injury bug and we're only a month and a half into the season and really if you want to date it back even longer the blue jays have been dealing with these injuries since march so the last three months you could say the blue jays have been hindered by significant injuries and hopefully i mean it's not just the blue jays Let, let's broaden the horizon here every team in major league baseball is experiencing similar issues like look, look at the dodgers they haven't had cody bellinger for most of this year Corey seager just broke a bone in his wrist and mookie betts isn't hitting like he is normally accustomed to so and they they lost dustin may for the year who's out with tommy john surgery so you know the blue jays aren't the only team who's suffering from this type of problem but the Blue Jays have also put more players on the IL than any other team in baseball. So even though every organization is dealing with this same problem, the Blue Jays have, without question, been hit by it the hardest. Now, let's get, in some, let's get into some positive news here. And that involves Lurdy's Gurriel Jr., who has had an awful, awful start to the season has been has barely hit um anything up to this point he's been really struggling at the plate to hit for not only contact but also power as well hasn't really been hitting the ball hard up before this series against the phillies because that's where he's he's shown or at least he's starting to show that he's making some improvements at the plate because he had a really productive series against Philadelphia. Now, it didn't really um, result into a ton of production. But he did go 6 for 13 in those three games against the Phillies. Had a couple of doubles. Had an RBI. He earned a 462 average, a 462 on base, and a 615 slugging during that series. Now what caught my eye though is that Gurriel's starting to crush the ball, which again hasn't been something that he's been able to accomplish up until this series. His, his hard hit rate on this season has actually dropped below 40%, which it was uh, significantly up higher last season. I believe is at 42, 45%. So um, yeah, it was actually even higher. It was at 494 throughout last season and even with the results that he had against the Phillies over this past weekend it's only at 35.5% right now which is very troubling but like I said he had a productive series against the Phillies because he was starting to generate a lot more hard contact in fact of the 12 batted ball attempts that he had against Philadelphia. Five of the balls he put in play were at least 95 miles per hour or higher. In particular, in the season opener, three of the four batted ball events that he had, which is basically just balls that he put in play, three of them were hard hit balls. So again, three of those four events he generated a 95 mile per hour exit velocity, average exit velocity. So it, even though 
He only had a couple of extra base hits and only one RBI in this series against Philadelphia. It's starting to look like Goriel Jr. may start to break out of this, you know, season-long slump. Um, I mean, e e even deeper, diving in even deeper into his exit velocity. And I'm going to stick with the seri series opener because that's where he had the most success for his hard contact. He generated a 107.7 mile per hour exit velocity on a line out on his second plate appearance. And then later in the game, he had 103.8 mile per hour exit velocity on a single. And then we fast forward to the series finale on Sunday. He also generated a 107 mile per hour average exit velocity on a field out. So the two balls that he put in play at the hardest velocity were both outs. So he got a little unlucky against Philadelphia. But if he continues to generate hard contact against the Red Sox and against the Rays throughout this week, we're going to see Gurriel start to go on a bit of a hot streak here, which is very, very good news for the Blue Jays because they haven't been getting a ton of production from the bottom of their order. You know, Simeon's been hitting really well as of late, actually since the calendar turned to May. Vladdy's doing his thing, but Shet is hitting pretty well at the plate as well. Gritchick has cooled off. And he's starting to get into one of his traditional hitting slumps where he doesn't get on base via walks and he strikes out a ton, which is a little concerning. Hopefully he turns that around this week. Um, but Gurriel is another major part of the Blue Jays lineup. And if they can start to get him going a little bit, this lineup gets even deeper than it already is. Because right now it's a little top heavy production wise. Right, The first four hitters with Simeon, Bichette, Vladi, and Hernandez, those guys are all producing up to what they're capable of and what their expectations are. But for the bottom of the lineup, not really doing that. Biggio is still struggling. Gurriel, like I said, season-long struggles. They're getting very little production out of the catcher spot. So with Gurriel hitting in the sixth, seventh spot, they can hit, get him going. Man, it's going to be a lot of fun against the Red Sox and Rays this week. But speaking of Laddie, whew, did he have a weekend against Philadelphia? Gurriel Jr. had a productive weekend. But oh my goodness, Vladdy Guerrero, he hit a home run in all three games. So that's something he hasn't done throughout his entire career, which is short. But he's never homered in three straight games before. And that's exactly what he did in this weekend series against Philadelphia and because of that the Blue Jays were able to win this series and what he's doing at the plate through the first month and a half of this season is just remarkable remarkable so let me break it down for you for his season stats Vladi has only earned 168 plate appearances but he's already hit more home runs than he did last year he had nine in the shortened season played all 60 games he's already got 11 
this year. He had 33 RBIs last season. He's already got 30 this year. He's walking way more than he did last season. He had an 8.2% walk rate throughout that 2020 season. He's doubled that, and he's got a 16.1% walk rate this year. He's still reasonable with his strikeout total. He's got a 15.5% strikeout rate, so now he's walking more than he's striking out. He's added 100 points from last season to his ISO this year, up to 290 on the season. He's got a 327 BAP. He's slashing a 319, a 440, a 609. He also is posting a uh, 1049 OPS. He's got a 445 Woba, a 421 expected Woba. He's got a 188 way to runs create a plus score. He's got an 18.4 offensive war rating. And on the season overall, he's got a 2.3 Fangrass war rating. Now, if you're wondering where he ranks among all offensive players in the league, I got those numbers for you. So, as of right now, entering Monday slate of games, Vladdy currently owns the highest offensive war rating. He's tied for the second overall war rating. He also owns the second highest way to runs created plus score and Woba. He's got the third highest on base percentage. He's tied for the fifth highest expected Woba. And he's also tied for the sixth highest slugging percentage among all, fall, all, among all qualified hitters in the major leagues. So that puts in perspective how remarkable Vladi has been through the first 39 games. It's insane. It's absolutely insane what he's doing at the plate this year. The progression that he's made from last year to this year is unbelievable. He's having much better quality at bats. He's going the other way significantly more this season than he did last year. He's getting the ball in the air a lot more than he did Last year, he's got a 34.8% fly ball rate compared to just a 27.9% rate last year. So, and, and we also got to talk about his defense because he's almost played the same number of innings that he did at first base last year. Right now, he's got 270 innings played at first base. He had 299 a season ago. And we'll get into his advanced metrics here because pretty impressive so just for defensive run saves purposes he had a negative four rating last year that's up to a negative one this year so improvement there his range runs metric was at negative 0.3 last year it's up to 0.3 this year he's also improved his ucr rating as well had a negative 1.8 rating last year that's up to plus 1.3 this year his UZR-150 last season was at negative 13.8 it's up to 8.6 this year so even though Vladdy still made some mistakes he actually committed his first error of the season at first base on Sunday where he made a really nice grab 
over at first base, but he had when he went to to flip the ball to his hand so he could throw it over to second base, it actually came out and, and, and rolled away from him. So, I mean, you got to put a bit of an asterisk on that error just because considering the mistakes we saw Vladdy made at first base last season, where it was just on routine plays that he was screwing up, I'm okay with that fielding error that he earned on Sunday because he still kind of made the play, right? He snagged a line drive that was hit at him and he just misplayed the ball while he was trying to transfer it over his hand over to his throwing hand so he could throw it over to second base and try and get the double play. Now, yes, that's a play he's got to make, right? You're a major league first baseman. You got to make those plays, but I'm not going to be too hard on him about it either because of the improvements that I already uh, discussed that he's made at first base. So, you know, if those types of errors and miscues happen more frequently, okay, then we can get on him a little bit. But for right now, let's give him the benefit of the doubt here because Vladdy has made some incredible improvements, not only at the plate, but also with the defense at first base as well. And the stretches too. Oh, like he didn't make any incredible stretches with the splits during this weekend series against the Phillies, but oh my goodness. He bails out the Blue Jays infielders so many times just by the picks he makes at first base. And he's so humble about it too. I think there was an interview done with him in the athletic last week or the week before and they asked him about you know where these incredible splits have come from and he was so nonchalant about it saying that he doesn't even realize that he's doing it and and Rowdy Telez one of his teammates is jealous of how easy it is for Vladi to make those kind of plays so it, it just makes you laugh a little bit when you see that type of stuff from him but it just speaks volumes of how phenomenal Vladi is as a player and as a human being too so uh, let's get into the preview a little bit for this last homestand at Dunedin because um, after the Blue Jays finish up this series against the Tampa Bay Rays on May 24th they're done they're done with TD ballpark they uh, they're gonna go on the road to finish the month and then when June 1st rolls around, they're back at Salem Field in, in Buffalo. So, uh, I mean, considering the, the comments that Marcus Simeon made about TD Ballpark and the struggles that Gurriel Jr. has had with the sun in evening games, the Blue Jays certainly aren't going to be wishy-washy about coming a little north to Buffalo. I mean, they still got to play in a minor league ballpark but the Blue Jays have made numerous permanent uh, renovations at Salem Field so it is going to be a little bit better for the players heading up there but again you're still not playing in a major league ballpark where you have that second level of seating to block the sun and it's still going to be a major change for the players but it's certainly not going to be near as bad as things were fielding wise for them at TD Ballpark but they're going to kick things off on Tuesday 
against the Red Sox. Hunjin Ryu is going to get the start there. You're also going to see Ross Stripling in that series, probably Steven Matz as well. And then the Blue Jays have a bit of a decision to make because, sure, they could go back to Anthony Kay slash bullpen day on the series opener against the Rays. But because they have an off day on Monday, Robbie Ray would be pitching on four days rest, on regular rest, if he were to make that start against the Rays. So maybe we see him open that series against Tampa Bay on Friday. Um, If he doesn't, they'd just be giving him an extra day of rest. It's not like they're going to go with a four-man rotation. But it'd be interesting, right? How much longer they give Anthony Kane the rotation. I mean, of, of course, they don't really have any other options unless Hatch makes a, a quick return this week and is able to come back to the majors next time through the rotation or if they want to bring up somebody like Alec Manoa. I just don't see that though yet because as amazing as Manoa has looked through two starts, where he's compiled 12 innings. He's only allowed three hits, a couple of walks. He's actually more allowed more hit-by-pitches than he has walks. He's got 17 strikeouts over those 12 innings. He's been unhittable, right? But, you know, even taking into account the uh, development that he experienced at the alternate training site last year where he made considerable gains. He's not the only player who made those sort of improvements at the alt site last year, but I just, I'm a little hesitant to throw Alec Minow in the fire just yet. I think, I think at minimum, you gotta give him four starts. And he's gonna make his third start with Trenton slash Buffalo on Monday, so with the Blue Jays off, if you have minor league baseball TV, if you have that subscription, which I think it's only like $40 for the season, so it's kind of like a no-brainer if you have a lot of time on your hands and you love watching prospects play, this is a game to narrow in on because if Manoa is dominant again, and Ross Atkins, general manager of the Blue Jays, he was at Manoa's last start and saw firsthand how dominant he was. So, if Manoa dominates again, Monday night, and Anthony Kay struggles in his next start, I know the spots don't really line up because Manoa is throwing Monday, and they're pitching him on five days rest this season so far, so he wouldn't be available to make that start on the 21st against the Rays and he wouldn't be available to make that start if they want to keep him on five days rest he wouldn't be available to make that start on the 22nd which would potentially be where Anthony Kay makes his next start but maybe next turn through the rotation they give it to Manoa or maybe they give Manoa a four start and then go from there but I just think it's it's a matter of when not if because Manoa, bearing some kind of injury, is going to make his major league debut at some point this season. It's going to happen. It's bound to happen. He's too good not to come up here eventually. 
Um, so I think me personally, if I was handling the situation, I would give him four starts and then go from there. But with the lack of options, quality options, reliable options that the Blue Jays have for that fifth spot in the rotation right now, they may be forced to do a similar thing that they had with Nate Pearson, where if Trent Thornton can't go on that day to piggyback Anthony Kay, they may have to call up Alec Manoa, but we'll see what happens. Regardless, if you're not tuned into the NHL playoffs Monday night, or if you're like me and you multitask and you have multiple games on at the same time, you got to have Manoa start on because it's going to be another good one, hopefully. But that does it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed my updates on the Blue Jays injuries, my uh, breakdown of Guriel Jr., Vladdy, and then this discussion about Alec Manoa as well. And hopefully you join me next time for another edition of Blue Jays World Update. But until that time, I'm your host, Thomas Hall. And now you're up to date. And please remember, wear a mask, wear it properly, don't go out unless you have to, and please get vaccinated when you're eligible to. Thanks for listening.